0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. This morning we're going to end the series on um, reset. We're going to talk about refocus. We're going to talk about A lot of what Paul, God inspired Paul to say in the Bible. When you think of the Apostle Paul, what do you think of? What comes to mind to you? Traveling evangelist, good one. Anybody else? What else? Servant, a bold. I like that. He was a bold one, yeah. He was redeemed, he was. He was lost and now he is found. He's been redeemed. A leader, yeah. He was the, like you said, the evangelist, the bold leader, redeemed. He planted churches. He was a great missionary. God used him uh, to write a lot of his New Testament. I think only Luke wrote more than than what Paul did. There's Ephesians and Corinthians and Philippians and Galatians, and and it goes on and on. God used him. And yet, I love the fact that we might look at Paul and go, oh, man, he's in a different league. He's like this super Bible character. But then Paul gives us this confession. We're just so honest and so transparent. I love it because it realizes that he's not as different than I am. And this is what he says in Romans 7:15 7, to 17. I don't really understand myself. Anybody been there? It's just me. you don't leave me hanging here. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but I know that I'm doing what I. But I know what I'm doing is wrong. This shows that I agree with what the law or the commands, the word of God is good. I'm not doing, I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So Paul says the fact that I know what I'm doing is wrong means I know what is right. Because God's word is there, I understand it. So why do I do what is wrong? So when I allow sin to live in me. And today we're going to talk about temptation to sin. How to overcome it? Because you faced it this week. You might have already faced it today. In your notes it says temptation comes as a trial where man has a free choice of being faithful or unfaithful to God. See, temptation in of itself is not a sin. It is a trial And you're going to face these trials. You have faced these trials. And it's what you do in these trials determines whether it will lead to sin or not. You have a choice. God gives you a choice because he does not want you to be robots. He loves you. And he gives you a choice to love him back or not. So we know at the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve were tempted, faced a trial in the garden. God gave them a choice to be faithful, obedient, or unfaithful and disobedient. Well, they chose to be unfaithful. They disobeyed God, and we're still dealing with the devastating consequences of that choice today. I don't think many people realize what, what this first sin brought into our world. They see it. They don't know where it came from. When sin entered our world, it brought death. There was not death before that. It brought sickness. There was never sickness until then. It even brought natural disasters. The earth was cursed. And that's why I often refer to this place, you'll hear me say, this broken world. Because God did not create it to be this way. We broke it. We caused it through our sin. That was Adam and Eve. On the other hand, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Did he sin? No, he remained faithful, which brings us another set of consequences, beautiful consequences, that is the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and gives us real hope now that we know we can be saved, and we don't have to die in forever death, but no everlasting life with him, if we choose it. So where Adam and Eve disobeyed, their disobedience led us to death. Jesus' obedience leads to everlasting life if we choose it. So, my goal today in this final message in this reset series is to help us know how to overcome temptation. How can we reset every day, every moment to overcome temptation? And the first thing you need to know about overcoming temptation is this truth every temptation is a lie. That's so easy to remember. When you're being tempted, just know this up front it's a lie. Temptation is a lie which will try to convince you there's a more satisfying way to live your life than God has directed you to live that life. Our enemy, the devil, will try to convince you that you'll be happier, you'll be better off if you commit this act of sin. But sin never works out this way. It never has, it never will I think some time ago I told you about the first time I went, when I moved out to British Columbia, went into Vancouver. Some people in the church took me down to that poor very part of Vancouver called East Hastings. Horrible place. And I, for the first time ever, I saw people, you know, on the streets, living on the streets, openly, you know, taking drugs, doing drugs, and they were miserable. What a miserable life. And I thought to myself, they, didn't plan to end up there. At some point in their life, they believe the lie that if I take this drug, if I numb the pain of what I'm feeling, it will, it will, life will be better. And they believed the lie and they took the drug and life got much, much worse as they became addicted to it. And I see sin like that. It's like an illicit drug. We indulge it to numb some sort of pain. And like any drug, very quickly, it gives you a temporary relief. But it always disappoints you greatly. There's a crash. And more than that, sin hurts. It damages. It destroys. It robs you of life. It takes away your joy and your peace. And yet, for uh, this brief moment of relief, people will sacrifice those long-term consequences of wholeness and peace and joy for this very small window of relief. <clears throat> Peter read for us just a moment ago the account of those people whom God had saved out of Egypt. They're captive in Egypt. And leading God's leading them to freedom through the promised land. And God delivered them from their enemies at the Red Sea we had mentioned. He parted the Red Sea. Israel, The, Jews, the Jewish people got to go through safely. And his enemies, enemies chased them, the sea fell in and destroyed them. So God delivered them. God guided them. By day, there was a pillar of fire, or a cloud. By night, a pillar of fire. So they always knew where to go. They never had to guess. In Daytime or night, God was guiding them. And God provided them in the wilderness with food and water. God delivered them. God guided them. God provided them. And yet still, although all the people received that spiritual food, that physical food, that deliverance, that guidance, we just read 23,000 of them died that day and were lost forever. Why? They were tempted to sin. It said they craved evil things. They believed the lie that life without God would be better. And they sinned. They gave, it said, they gave their worship to other things besides God. We can still do that. They, they celebrated in the way pagans would celebrate. We can still do that. They feasted and drank in excess. They practiced sexual immorality. These are things we can still do and tempted to do. And at the moment, it might have seemed like this is good. This is fun. This is enjoyable. But it was a lie. It was short lived. And by choosing sin, they chose to separate themselves from God, from God, and not just for that moment, but forever. They were lost, 23,000, one day. Boom. They were lied to, they believed the lie, and now they're lost forever in misery. It's horrible. And what's incredible is that people still today believe the lie. And as a result, they will forever... You lost into death. Because sin equals death. That's what the, the Bible's so clear. Don't think this is just Mark saying this. The Bible says in Romans 6 23, you get what is coming to you when you sin. What is it? You get this death. Now compare this with Jesus says. Again, one of my life verses, John 10:10, 10, 10. Jesus says, Okay, the purpose of the enemy is to steal and to kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Consider these words of Jesus. Then Jesus said, "Come to me." What's amazing? Uh, Dave read this. David read this very scripture today. So when I when that happens, the world says that's consequence. I say no. That's God trying to get a message across to someone here today. Jesus said, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burden, and I will give you what rest." Jesus recognized how living in this broken world gives us cause to be weary. <coughs> We we walk around, he knows, with this heavy burden and weight on our life. And the solution is this. The solution is this. Don't, I mean, don't turn to sin. Don't run to sin. Come to me. And I'll give you rest. Temptation is a lie. And our enemy is saying that his way is better than God's way. And it never is. Never has been. Never will be. More than that, the devil will lie to you in temptation saying, there's no way you can be successful to stand up against temptation. You, you cannot be successful to stand up against temptation. The devil will try to convince you the trials you are facing are unique to you. I mean, you're a special case. Well, what you're doing, what you're facing is not Common. Your circumstances are extraordinary circumstances. What you're facing doesn't fall under the category of normal temptation. What you're dealing with is unprecedented. And the enemy will tell you that the troubles you face with your husband, with your wife, with your job, with your health, are different than everybody else's. I mean, your troubles are beyond what others are facing, so don't be hard on yourself. When you give in, and do wrong. That's the lie what the devil's trying to get you to do is justify sin by your circumstances, which the devil's saying is different. You're an exception. I mean, no one has what you have to deal with. God says something quite different. He says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Like, what? Like, do you mean I'm being tempted? The way I'm being tempted right now, Lord, is not uncommon? Do you mean these trials I'm facing are not unusual? They're not extraordinary struggles? (coughs) Yes. This is what God is telling you. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. These are not unique just to you. They are common. And God knows you're facing this temptation. Now, here is promise. He says temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Now, look and listen to this. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Doesn't that sound different from what the enemy will tell you? And when you're tempted, what? He will show you a way out so that you can endure. You can stand up. You don't have to give in. The devil says you can never stand under the pressure of your trial. Give up. God says, no, you can endure, man. He will not allow you to be tempted to where you cannot stand firm. More than that, he will give you a way out. But you got to take it. So the first thing I want you to understand this morning, in regards to temptation, which is going to happen, we're all tempted. It's not a sin, but we will be tempted. As it is it a lie? It comes from the devil, who is the father of lies. And I know this because listen how Jesus, the Son of God, describes the devil in John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. He is a liar and the father of lies. Do you see a recurring theme there? He hates the truth. There's no truth in him. <clears throat> he lies. It's consistent with his character. He is a liar more than that. He's the father of lies. You don't want to base your life on a lie. You do not want to base your life on a lie, less because lies hold you captive. They hold you in bondage. And Jesus says, "What the truth will set you free." Jesus says, "When we obey Him, when we follow Him, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." And what that tells me then, if the truth sets me free, it makes sense then that lies will hold me captive. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live for lies. I'm they Oh, I believe the lie. Every temptation is a what? So I'll make sure you're listening. Every temptation is a... Yeah. Secondly, just two points today. The reason we're easily defeated by temptation is because we try to resist it instead of refocusing. <clears throat> so let me talk about some of the temptations we face. Lust is a huge one. Paul writes to Timothy and he says... Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Run away and instead, that word instead is is a refocus. Instead of doing this, hanging around, run, refocus, refocus. And we can replace the word lust here with the sin that easily trips you up. And it was it Hebrews 12.1 talks about, you know, that sin that easily trips you up. And you know what that is. Bible says run from anything that stimulates that. So let's talk about a few important truths about temptation based on that passage uh, that, that Paul gave to Timothy. Number one, you know, you know when you're being tempted. You can't plead ignorance. You're aware <coughs> that it's a dangerous place of compromise. You know it's a trigger to lead you to sin. You're aware of it because it stimulates you to make the wrong choice. Remember Paul said this? He basically said in his confession, I know what is right because I know what is wrong. I'm not lying to myself. God's word tells me what is right, so I'm not doing God's word It's wrong and I know that. You know when you're being tempted to do wrong. And the second thing we learn from this passage is this: Don't try to hang around and resist the temptation. Run, flee, get out of there! So many try to stand their ground and to just resist the temptation. Here's the secret to temptation: Don't fight it; just refocus. You know, not once in the Bible are you told to resist temptation. You're told to resist the devil, and that was a, it's a different issue, but you're never told to resist temptation. The key to overcoming temptation is not to push back, but rather is to change your focus, because whatever gets your attention gets you. The battle for sin always starts here in the mind. What you're focusing on, what gets your attention. And remember we went back to that message in the series called The Power of Rethink where we spoke about the head, the heart, and the hands, that's where we saw that what I think about, what gets my attention, what I focus on, influences how I feel. And how I feel influences what I do. What I do, whether it's good or bad, sinful or loving, always begins with what I think in my head, what I give my attention to. For example, remember, we said if I chose to be angry, allow angry thoughts in my mind, I'm going to feel angry. And if I feel angry, I'm going to act angrily. If I give to a cause or person compassionately, if I can give to them compassionately, it's because I feel compassion for them. If I feel compassion for them, because I'm thinking compassionately towards them and their plight. So what I think affects how I feel, which affects What I do. What one allows here in the head affects what's happening here in the heart, which will translate into what we do with our hands. Head, heart, hands. That's the good news is this you can control what you think about. It's always your choice. And if you change the way you think, it changes the way you feel, which will change the way you act. That is why we're not to resist temptation, because as long as we choose to to resist it, we're thinking about it. You need to refocus your thoughts. I love this little saying, what you resist persists. What you flee can't be. If you can't resist it, it's going to persist. It's going to persist. It's going to persist. It's there. You run in the other direction. It's not there. <clears throat> That's what Paul's saying. Instead of resisting the temptation, you flee. You refocus. You pursue what is right. Focusing on the wrong will lead you to do wrong, and wrong never leads to right. The Bible teaches us this in Psalms. Thinking about your commands, talking to God, thinking about your commands will keep me from doing some foolish thing. So focus on his word. Focus on his truth. If you focus on godly things, they'll pull you in a godly direction. Does that make sense? If you focus on the stuff you see on television or social media or on your computer, they're going to pull you in another direction. One of the battles of our mind, we, we talked about uh, uh, we talk about lust, or we talked about anything, but we just talked about worry. That not, that's not relevant to anybody here, right? Nobody here worries. Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, which is that word again. That's a refocusing word. Instead, this is what you got to do. Don't do this. Instead, focus here. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. <clears throat> thank him for all he has done. It's Apostle Paul again, and that the ever was a person who had reason to worry. It was Paul. He was living in a nation occupied by a foreign army, ruled by corrupt leaders. He was writing this from prison, where he's being treated, held as a result of false accusations. He's separated from those he loves. His motives are being challenged by those who's even trying to help there ever was a person who, based on their circumstances, had reason to be anxious, it would be Paul. But the Bible is telling us here there's nothing that should cause a child of God to worry. And it's really tough, but it's true to understand when you worry, you, when you're tempted to worry, you are being tempted not to trust God's provision and plan for your life as long as you focus and give attention to the, th- to the things which say, worry, worry, be anxious, be anxious, you will worry and be anxious. But when you refocus your attention upon God, you discover there's nothing. There's no crisis so troubling that God cannot bring peace in the midst of it. That takes trust and faith, doesn't it? That does not mean God always takes away the problems which you would want to worry about. But it says God will hold you up. He will carry the load We heard, again, David read this, uh, our elder David, and we read it in the sermon, come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. That's a refocus. Come to me. All of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He wants you to know rest. He would not say it if he didn't mean it. The Lord wants you to experience his peace, which the Bible says is a peace that humans can't understand. They can't comprehend it. That doesn't make sense to them. And yet we have it in God. I'm going to close with this quote today. I love this from Henry Blackaby. He says, "You'll never experience, fully understand. Sorry, you'll never fully understand how God can give you peace in some of the situations you face, but you do not have to understand it in order to experience it." I love that. You'll never, you, you know, you, you may not understand how God can give me peace in this situation. God, this is, this is. I, I don't see a solution to this. I don't see a way out of this but you don't have to understand to experience what God's going to give you. God's word clearly teaches us how in trouble, like the sea billows roll into our life, we still can change the focus from the sea billows rolling to God. There's nothing you can face that's too difficult or troubling to him. There's nothing you can face that is too big for him. No matter what your circumstances are, Turn from anxiety, focus on God, and His perfect peace will guard your heart. The reason why so many will have trouble overcome worry is they keep trying to resist it. And they need to refocus on God, His truth, and His promises. What I want to do today, I'm going to go back to something we've done before called take two. So we take two minutes at the end of this message to focus. And what I want us to focus on is this verse. Um, from from Philippians 4, 8. Because it's a choice. One final thing. Here's a choice. Refocus, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So what I want you to do today is not think about the temptation. We're not here to resist and say, think about this and fight against it. Let's instead refocus on God's word. And would you pick out in your life, I'm going to f- pick out a promise that God's given me this week. I'm going to focus on that today. I want you to fix your thoughts on what is true. What is true that God says to you? What what we said today? What you read in your word? What is honorable? What is right? Because when there's lies, we know the enemy's going to lie to you. So what is God telling you? What is right actually? What is pure? And lovely and admirable. Think about these things. Can we do that just for two minutes? Just, 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 Focus, refocus your thoughts on these things. Let's take two minutes and do that. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.com for more information about our church.